great. So here's the question today. I want you to do the question today, but I got to explain it first because in my life, um, sometimes I get a little foggy uh, about uh, about my life and and who I am and where I'm going and what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, sometimes I'm just right on it. But there are times when circumstances come up and cause worry or fear, or I allow them to bring worry or fear, or the world's just crazy. I, you know, it just gets. The world's just nuts, and, and I get a little nuts with it, you know? And I lose clarity about who I am, why I'm here, what I'm supposed to do, and I lose clarity. So here's what I want you to Maybe you can't identify with that, with that at all. If you can't, just tell, this, tell them that. But, but I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, what percentage of clarity are you feeling about your life right now? Tell somebody. Some of you had clarity till I asked the question, and now you're confused, right? All right, anybody have 80% or better? Nice. We hate you. All right, 90% because you're teaching. Now, I was going to invite you up to speak. Oh, yeah? Okay, good. It's a couple thing about inviting you up to speak. Anyway, so, um, so I just think that there are times in our life when we get a little discombobulated and lose sight of who we're supposed to be and what's really going on and what's important. And I started this series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you remember, I felt like our nation was kind of getting all rattled about something. And, and I felt myself getting caught up in it. And I heard other Christians getting caught up. And I thought, we just need to stop, get our feet underneath this again, and get back on track with who we're supposed to be. And, and that thing will get taken care of, right? And so I, uh, I just decided to do um, some things that help us get um, centered again, back on track, who you're supposed to be. And the first one was, is stop and fill your mind with God's Word. Just stop and fill your mind with God's Word. Because it'll, it'll remind you what's important, what's, a, what, what's valuable, who God is, that He's ultimately in control, no matter what kind of craziness is shaking around you, right? And uh, so today I want to do the second one in that series called, uh, not only fill your uh, mind with God's Word, but fill your mouth with God's praise. Because I think one of the most valuable things we can do when, when we're just kind of losing sight of what's going on or what, what's important is to stop and praise God. Just to praise God. Partly because it's what we were made to do, but partly what it reminds us of. And I believe it re releases the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to bring change. So uh, we're going to take our, our talks today from a, a familiar passage. It's found in John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to John chapter 4 um, or even a phone app, um, and we'll have them on the screens. And in John 4, it's very familiar. One of my favorite historical accounts of Jesus' interaction. Whenever Jesus interacted with somebody, he interacted not just for their benefit, for ours, as we read about it. And we learn about who he was, who God is, who we are, and what possibilities that can happen if we'll trust him. And so he meets this woman. It's, called, it's the story of the woman at the well. And so I'll just, I'm going to quickly give you the background of it if you don't know it. Uh, so Jesus and his disciples, is like his students, uh, are traveling because he's kind of a, a rabbi teaching guy. And, uh, and so they're traveling and they go through this, this Samaritan territory, which most Jews would not. I'll explain something about that at the end. Um, and so he goes through and, and so they get to a well. And so Jesus stops at the well, and the disciples go into town, his students go into town, and they go to buy food. And so while they're gone, there is this woman at the well. Thus the name of this. Anyway, uh, so 
uh, this woman is there getting water. Now, there's some interesting things you need to understand culturally about what's happening here. First of all, she's there at the middle of the day. Wrong time to get water. Why? Hot. Right? You ever been to Africa? Some parts of India? Um, some parts of South America I've been to where they don't have running water yet? You get water when? Early in the morning. Then you put it on your head and you walk home. Right? Because it's not as hot early in the morning. This woman is there in the middle of the day. There's a reason for that. It's an important part of the story. So she's there in the middle of the day. Now, you understand Jews, and this is a review for most of you, I understand. But uh, there, there is this issue between Jews and Samaritans. Because Samaritans are kind of, if I can use this term, half-breeds. They... they it were um, unfaithful uh, Jews married into local um, people groups and did not keep their religion pure or themselves pure. And so by the time Jesus comes along, Samaritans are a group that have some Jewish roots but don't really keep Jewish religions, but they keep a few of the parts they like. And then they go to the Romans and they find some, some of their gods and they, they like them. And so they do what a lot of people do now today. I just kind of came up with my own religion. Well, you know, I just kind of believe, right? And that's what they had done. And therefore, they were, the Jews didn't like them uh, because they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't keep kosher, etc. Um, uh, and so they were outcasts socially, religiously, etc. And Jews did not associate with Samaritans. By the way, that's weird to us because we always see hospitals named Good Samaritan, right? We think that's a good thing. That was an oxymoron to a Jew. That's why Jesus used it in a parable. There was no such thing as a Good Samaritan. They're only bad Samaritans to the Jews. That's why he pointed out. He was, he was tweaking them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He was just kind of getting their attention. And so here is Jesus at a well. So the other thing he realized is a rabbi. Not only would a Jew not talk to a Samaritan, a rabbi would not talk to a woman alone. Okay? And so there's this, this thing happening here. So they're both at the well, and he says to her, can you give me a drink of water? And she says, how are you asking me for a drink of water? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a rabbi. I'm a woman. These, these don't add up. So she's confused about it. But Jesus doesn't even bite on this, this kind of thing between. And he says, if you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, you'd ask me for a drink of water. Now, but he, he includes a little, little thing there. He's, if you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, physical water from the well, uh, then, and he, by the way, the very last thing he does in this, in this interaction with her before she runs off to tell everybody is tells her who he is. And that's critical. And he says, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask him, me, for living water, spiritual water. So the equation is that there is a spiritual water that is essential to a human, as, as essential as is water physically to a human. Got me? That's the metaphor he's going. Okay. Now, in this passage, he does some amazing things. Like, for example, Jesus doesn't play footsies with people. He, I mean, he's not, he's not about the niceties. He goes right to the heart of the matter. And, hey, how you doing? Let's have some water. And then, boom, he hits her with this really intense, embarrassing, awkward thing. But here's what Jesus wants to do with everybody, then, now, always. He doesn't want to be superficial. He wants to fix things. He wants to heal things. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring change. And so he will, he will risk embarrassing us. He will risk offending us even in order to get to the real issue so it can be healed. And so so he, here's the deal. So he says, uh, if you knew who I was, yeah, ask for living water, spiritual water. And she says, oh, I'd love some of that. And here's exactly where he goes. As soon as she says, I'm interested in that, he goes right to this most painful thing. It starts in verse 16, uh, chapter 4. Uh, it says this, if I get on the right page, here we go. It says, um, 
Uh, he told her, go call your husband and come back. Well, it sounds reasonable, right? Except Jesus knows something you don't know yet. And she says in verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Now listen to this. You talk about awkward. Listen to this. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Awkward. <laughs> right? But Jesus, he's going to do something miraculous in this woman's life, and he doesn't have time to mess around. Let's get to the deal. Let's get to the issue. We all sit around, we all protect ourselves and wear masks and act like we don't have issues. Let's get to the issue. And he does. And by the way, he didn't say, you terrible person. He understands the woundedness and the brokenness that Jesus brings. She has been literally, like the old song used to say, been looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> right? And, she's, and it just hasn't found what she, and the other song haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? Okay, so, um, so, so, and so she does this great thing. You and I would do the same thing. She goes, oh, crud, this is getting close to home. I don't want to talk about this. And she shoots off a flare, hoping that the missile of his truth is going to go after the flare. Right? So she tries to start an argument. Listen to this. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. And, 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 and our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she's like, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about stuff. Right? Let's talk about theological stuff. because this is getting... Here's what Jesus says. Believe me, woman. And, and, and woman is not like woman. It's just believe me, woman. Like lady, whatever. It's not, a, it's not derogatory in any way. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman. A, a time is coming when you worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the, and here is the, here is the surprising thing about this passage. It's not just about coming to know who Jesus is. It's about who you're supposed to be. He's trying to take her from a, a, a woman. By the way, the reason she was at the well at noon is because she'd had five husbands and the women in the village didn't trust her. Right? She was a social outcast. That's why she was there in the heat of the day. Nobody goes to carry water in the middle of the day unless you have to. She was a complete outcast in her village. And it goes, and it says, when the true worshipers, now here's what we need to understand. All of us worship. We all worship something. You may not acknowledge you worship, but if you're a workaholic, you worship your job. If you think money is going to fix you, you worship, uh, you worship money. If you think the next relationship is going to be the one that fixes you and makes it okay and fills that empty place inside of you, just like this woman, you're worshiping the wrong thing. And so he says, you're worshiping the wrong thing. He didn't even go after her behavior or her failures. He says, you're worshiping the wrong thing. You need to be a true worshiper. And then he goes on and he defines what that is. And so he says this. He says, um, uh, we'll worship the, the true worshipers will worship the Father, in spirit and in truth, critical, for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, the woman said, I, uh, I know the Messiah uh, called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. In other words, yeah, that's nice, but the real guy is going to tell me the truth one day. And here's what Jesus says, very rare for him to reveal himself, period, but to a woman who's a Samaritan, strange, but he does this. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you know because of your knowledge of Jewish faith that is to come. I am the one you've been looking for. This is powerful. So I want to focus on today 
that we are to be true worshipers. And, and what does it mean to be a true worshiper? Because he was trying to take her from being an outcast to a true worshiper. And I want to suggest to you that that's what God is trying to do with all of us, is to make us into true worshipers. And so I want to talk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you three things about it. But first, I want to invite Moy up. Would you guys uh, welcome Moy? You guys know Moy? So, so I was thinking about maybe Moy and I could teach this together. Um, because Moy is one of the people who helps us lead us in worship. And, uh, and I, I'm trying to help us link life transformation to the experience of worshiping because that's what he talks about here, true worshipers. And her life is transformed. By the end of the story, we find out her life is completely transformed. And, and his intention for her is to give her what she's been looking for and that she would be a worshiper out there. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you three things if we're gonna be true worshipers. The first one is that we, it says to worship in spirit and truth. And this is about knowing uh, the truth about Jesus. And, and so we all worship something. Whatever you give your most time, attention, uh, um, compassion, passion to rather, um, you worship something. But if you can worship a doorknob if you want, but it's not going to do you much good. But when we connect our worship, that priority in our life, to the true God who created us, when we do that, we not only know who he is, but we accept him as Savior, then we become true worshipers. We're, we're worshiping the thing that is worthy of worship. And we're worshiping because we've committed ourselves to it. So when he says, worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. It is when we come to believe in Christ, we commit our life to Christ, and he's in charge of our life. We've repented, we've said, I'm sorry for my sin. You're in charge of my life. I'll spend eternity with you. We have committed. The Bible says that something happens when we do that. It means, it says that we will come become or be made spiritually alive. Another part of the Bible says, before you believed in Christ, you were spiritually dead. To worship in spirit is to be spiritually alive. To worship in spirit and worship God. The true God is to worship in spirit and in truth. And, and so the first thing is to know God, um, and to know who Jesus is, that he came as the Messiah, and then to experience him. And we'll talk more about this in a moment, but something happened between Jesus meeting this woman and telling her about herself and the end of the story that she was changed. And when we, we don't just believe in Jesus, we experience a relationship with Christ. When we do that, we are true worshipers. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. And um, yeah, let's stop with that. So uh, I have a lot more, but uh, I want more to tell his deal. So um, um, Moy and I were talking this week about this talk, and he's, he, he talked about how the difference between a performer and a worshiper, a performer and a worshiper. So let me talk to us about that a little bit. All right. Hey, everybody. How you guys doing? <laughs> right. Good morning. Got one friend somewhere back here. <laughs> yeah. True, tried and true over there. Um, I grew up uh, in the church. I grew up a pastor's kid. I grew up going to church every, every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so um, you can't help but have uh, these moments. As a kid, I had moments uh, where God revealed himself to me. And yet, growing up in the church... Somehow, I think for some of us, you're able to, you don't have like this one come to Jesus moment later on in life. You, you, you have them multiple times and throughout that, you're working out who you are and what's going on with you. And so you hold on to, to, to secrets, you hold on to these things and yet you know that God is real and he's true and yet you hold on to this little piece of, 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 of um, secrets that you don't want anybody to know. And so God, God then because he loves us and he's patient with us, continues to, to, to deal with us and love us through all that. And so through that, I found myself in the middle of all that, in the middle of growing up 
in the middle of all that, knowing that I love God, knowing that I'm a sinner, um, you, you have, I have these moments to lead worship. And so it started, started young, probably in, in elementary. Hey, uh, you can sing. You want to lead the solo? Yeah, sure. Okay, all of a sudden I'm singing. I'm singing, leading the solo. Um, end up in college and uh, with opportunities to sing and be part of a choir. Um, end up in college then uh, as a worship leader with opportunities to lead and trying to perfect my craft, right? So when I go to sing that, that high note, I go, oh, 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 it didn't even come out tonight, Here we, uh, this, uh, this morning. Here we go, ah, you know, there it is, whatever. Uh, perfection, right? And so you, you're, you're trying to perfect that every single moment. Um, I have had moments in my life, worship leading, where the word of God speaks to me so powerfully as I'm singing the words that it's more about the moments that I had as a kid realizing who God was and that my heart comes to a place where it's completely broken and, and I'm humbled to know the God that makes the whole earth spin and float and know that I'm having a moment with him and that, and that he sees my imperfections. He sees those moments when my voice cracks, uh, but I'm talking about the voice crack of life Okay, the moments when I'm not perfect, the moments where I've held on to those secrets that I don't want anybody to, to, to know or see, that God sees that and he knows that and that he yet he still loves me and he still allows me to worship him. And so then it goes from, from, from the art, the perfection of art to the power of, of, of worshiping him with, with my heart. And there's a change there. And eight years ago, when I came on to, to this stage, it would have been really easy for me just to show up uh, on the weekend and sing the songs and then walk out the door and leave it at that. But there's something powerful about the Word of God um, spoken and, 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 when we, and when we sing it with our lips. That I don't think you can do that for long before, the God, before God comes around and He begins to soften your heart. And so God began to, to soften my heart as he has. If I sat here and I told you that it happened once and that I was just the perfect worship leader for forever, I'd be lying to you. This is something that has happened to me throughout my life. As I have chosen uh, to worship, God shows up and he's going to continue to show up. And there'll be moments even into the future when I'm in the middle of worship. And it has. It's happened here. It happened this weekend as Amanda is, is singing you know, a song. Um, I feel it in my bones. You're about to move. Just the, 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 those powerful words that, that, that God brings in that moment. The God that we believe in is here this morning, and he is moving. And when we stop to think that it's not just about the lights or the perfect notes or whatever, but it, that it's about what we're saying, then, then God can begin to, to touch you and to touch me. So uh, a little phrase that I, I read that I really like, because this spirit and truth is about heart and head. We're, we're worshiping what we know is absolutely true. Not something, in this passage, Jesus said, you Samaritans worship what you don't know. In other words, you're just making up stuff, right? We worship what we know, but also with our spirit, because it's alive in Christ. And so it's a head and heart thing. Grab your guitar. I want to do a song here. Um, so it's not a surprise. We planned this. Um, so... Um, uh, so, so the heart of worship is more important than the art of worship. Here at the church, we want to do, we want to do worship well. We love good music, but 
Worship is not about how great the music is. It's about how engaged our head and our heart is in the worship. So the heart of worship is more important than the art of worship. And the other thing that I, that I read that I thought was really interesting is that uh, what Moy does isn't worship leading. It's being the lead worshiper. In other words, he's not leading us to worship. He's worshiping, and we're invited to follow along. And so what, what I, I want to sing, we want to uh, do a song. Moy's going to do the song, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> It's called, it's called the creed, and it is this thing where we establish exactly what we believe. Because my experience is that when we get fuzzy about life, we have kind of lost focus on what we know to be true. And this is a song that professes what is true about the Christian faith. And so he's going to lead us, and we're going to sing it together, just simple, guitar, just us. And it doesn't matter if you've got a great voice or not. God's looking at your heart, uh, not your voice. He's listening to your heart. So let's sing this together as a way to kind of start this experience in worship. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Say this. time you feel yourself all shaken and discombobulated because of the circumstance around you, the doubts within you, the mess that's happening in the world, come back to that. If you come back to that and you believe the right things, the truth, if it's truth, if you believe truth and your heart is given to God, then that's the most important thing and everything else falls into place. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and everything else will get taken care of, the Bible teaches. So here's the interesting thing about the woman in the story, is that uh, when she finds out who Jesus is, she, he says, I am he, and she finds out something happens, because the next thing we see, the disciples interrupt, and the next thing we see is the end of the chapter, and we see that she has gone back to the village, and she is telling, telling them, hey, you got to meet this guy that told me everything I've done, which doesn't sound like a positive thing, right? 
because everybody in the village can pretty much tell you everything she's done, right? And that's not a great thing, okay? Uh, so here's the deal. When we understand who God is, when we understand the truth of who God is, we have the courage and the hope, the grace to look at who we are. And so he wasn't insulting her. He wasn't condemning her. He was not certainly not approving of her lifestyle. But it wasn't about that. It wasn't about condemnation. It was about healing and hope and a future. And so in the context of knowing who God is, she could look at herself and find a different way forward. She could be forgiven for the past, healing that brought about whatever choices she made, whatever happened to her, whatever those issues are, that could be healed and there could be hope and she could, she could say, I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to be this. And something happened in that moment. Something happens to us in the moment when we really realize who God is and we give ourselves to God. And we say, my heart is yours. My, my mind is yours. I believe in you. And something powerful can happen. It opens the door for real life change. Like I said, Jesus never plays games with people. He gets right to the heart of the issue and he brings healing. And so I want to, I want to to tell a story. So we're talking about this, this, uh, this passage and he had an experience recently that, that, um, yeah, I think illustrates what happens when a person gives their life to Christ. And, and as they understand who Christ is, they can deal with who they've been or what has been done to them even in, in a new, fresh way with grace and hope. All right, so uh, how, many, how, how many of you guys have heard about the Celebrate Recovery? Yeah. And um, this week I got to do something that, that, that we do in the program. Um, we walk people through uh, the 12 steps. And the fifth step is, is an exercise um, that you do with your sponsor. And, and it's literally, honestly, it's so simple. Sometimes uh, you, you hear these things and it sounds like, like a different language, you know, and it's not. It's so much more like the story of the Samaritan woman and everything that Doyle has been talking about this morning. That's the process. It's just that simple. It's coming before God and um, confessing uh, who we are and then allowing him to, to take that and, and, and bring the healing. And so this week, I, 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 this last week, I, I got to hang out with one of my sponsees who's, who's here this morning. And, and gave permission uh, for me to share the story. It was one of the most powerful, impacting uh, stories um, that, that, or moments that, that I have had as we walk through this process. In the fifth step, you literally take everything that you have um, inventoried from the, from the fourth step, and it's literally just gr grabbing a hold of everything that you've ever done, the things that you um, um, have had done to yourself or things that, 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 that you have done. It's just everything of who you are, all those secrets. And then you, you gather with your sponsor and you share that with him. Not with, with the whole world or whatever. No, the, the scriptures tell us that we are to confess our sins one to another. So to another and then, and then to God. And so it's really, that's just what we were doing. And, and we, um, we got together in this room and we began to pray. And the whole process is just from beginning to end um, a big prayer. But the power of going into prayer really lies in, in, in the preparation. And so what better to prepare us for this moment than, than the word of God, the, the, the words that, that God has given us. And so we began to, to read scripture. Um, and that's the process. When you go through the fifth step, you just you read the, these scriptures. And these scriptures are scriptures that remind us about who we are and then who God is. And so I asked uh, my sponsee to close his eyes and to, to think and to imagine 
that is true as the scriptures that we had read, because the scriptures we're reading talk about that God is real, that if we cry out to God, that, that he listens to us, that, that, that when we speak out to Christ, that, that he hears us, and that he died on the cross, and that he gave himself for us, and that if we're willing to exchange our lives for his, that he will, he will take our life, and he will make us new. And so I told him, I believe that, that, that Jesus is in this room, and he wants to meet you. So close your eyes, and imagine, imagine that, that, that he is in this room, and that everything that we're going to walk through, and everything that you're sharing, that you're sharing it with me, and that you're sharing it with him. And he closes his eyes, and we begin to pray. And he stops me, and he says, wait, Moy, you're not going to believe this, but Jesus is right here right now. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, he is. And he's like, no, no, no. He, he, has, he has grabbed me, and he's hugging me right now. And I feel that. And he's telling me that he loves me. I'm like, okay, great. And I've got a list of things I need to do as a, as a sponsor walking them through this exercise. And so I'm like, great, all right, um, next. And he's like, no, not next, stop. He's like, wait. He's like, he's not done. And I, and I don't want to be done. And I just, I sat there for 20 minutes. Um, just, just watching him change. It was awesome. It was, it was the sweetest thing, just, just his, his, his face and everything, his, his tears were, were, were coming down his cheeks and just, uh, just a, a, the smile that was happening and the change and the transformation that was happening in him was, was so powerful. And then we began to walk through him imagining, kind of taking, taking all that unworthiness, all that guilt, that shame, those secrets, and just him, him giving it to Jesus and placing it in his hands and watching what it is that Jesus would, would do, which is, what does the Bible tell us? He tells us that, the Bible tells us that he makes things new and that he can take our stuff and that, and that he, he takes it and he dumps it into the deepest ocean and there's forgiveness, right? Amen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm just sharing this with, with Doyle as we're talking about how we're going to put this together and I, I just thought it was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Just a story. It was awesome. And he's like, uh-uh. Moy, you need to share that this weekend. I was like, really? We get to, we get, okay, great. Here we go. We're going to share the story. And, um, yeah. So uh, the reason I, wanna, I wanted to share that story, because it's a powerful story, because I want you to imagine a person who has, I don't know this person's story, but there's some hurt, habit, or hang-up that is holding them up that is impeding their progress in their faith and in their growth. And yet in this moment, he senses that God is there and that God loves him and accepts him. And this woman, something happened between the time Jesus told her about herself and about being a true worshiper and the time she went and told the village and and shared with them that this is Messiah. Something happened. I think that when we meet with God, something's supposed to happen. You may not feel Jesus hug, and if you're a guest right now, you're going, really? Shut up, hug you, really? It's okay, it'll be all right. So here's what I want to do. I want to do an experiment. Can we do an experiment together? You're right to be weary. Uh, no, <laughs> weary, I guess, not weary, weary. I wanted to do something. Moy was telling me a story, and I said, let's just see if, if maybe God would show up in our lives on Sunday. And we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to make you get up and tell anybody and confess your sins. Or 
I just want to try something. Would you be willing to try it with me? Just trust me, okay? If it gets too weird, just, I don't know, look at me like, nah. Okay, so, all right, and if you're a guest, just check it out. So we're going to, here's what I want to do. I want us, if you're willing to close your eyes in a minute, I want to kind of do a mini fifth step, like a mini thing. So here's something that plagues me from time to time. Is there are times in my life when I feel unworthy. This is the only word I could think of was unworthy. When I get up to speak on a weekend, I feel completely unworthy. When I look at my wife and my little grandkids, I feel unworthy. When I look at my daughter, I feel, when I look at my son, not so much, but my daughter, I feel, <laughs> I feel unworthy. And there's a reason I feel unworthy, because I am. <laughs> I don't deserve all of this. And especially knowing who I really am and the things I've done in my life, I don't deserve it. And yet, Christ said that he knows all those things and loves me and died for me, and I need to let that go. But you know, it can be an interruption in my life. It can, it can diminish who I become if I let that just weigh on my brain. I can also think about people in my life who have hurt me, who have done things to me. And if I get caught up in that, that also can. And I have to come to moments, and most often, I have to be honest, it's in worship. I have to come to moments where I just let all that go. I let my unworthiness go. I let my, my having been offended or hurt or bitterness that I want to harbor, I let it go. And I, and I just let Jesus take it and I'm free to be filled with his spirit, to move forward in, the, in, in worship and in spirit and in truth. So I want to do that today, okay? So if you're willing to close your eyes, great. If not, it's okay. Just stare me down. It's fine. Um, but I want you to think about that thing, and I know what mine is, that thing that most makes me feel unworthy, the thing that I struggle with. Some people might call it self-esteem. It's, it's not self-esteem. It's something beyond that. What is that thing that makes me feel most unworthy? And I want you to just think about that, not because we want to condemn you. We just want to deal with some truths today for, for, for just a few moments here. And Moy's going to read some passages. I want you to think about that thing and about how God feels about you. 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. But anyone who loves knows God. Those who don't love don't know God. God is love. John 4, 8. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find a new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. First John 5.13 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. going to sing this song and I want us just to to continue in that in that moment that we would we would imagine and, and think of God revealing himself here this morning and and like like Doyle said if if you're new here this morning and just take it as an opportunity to just take a couple breaths and relax don't feel obligated
But if you want to meet with Jesus, what a, what a better time. No better time than right now. We all woke up this morning and we knew we were going to church. And what do you come to church for? To meet with God. And the God who makes the whole earth spin and float is here right now. Just like he was in that little room of that story I shared. He's real now. He is real in the moments that you've come to know him throughout your life. Like he was real with me as a child when I came to know him for the first time. And he wants to move and he wants to show himself. Listen to the song. here this morning, just one last time as we sing this chorus again. Use your imagination. Think. Think that you're literally handing Jesus that unworthiness right here, right now. Those things we don't want anybody to know, those secrets, that, 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 that stuff, whatever it is, pride, ego, self-esteem, and that as he takes it, 
because it's what God's word says that he makes it known. So is this weird? Yep. It's okay. It's real. Let's sing. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. One more time, say. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. Out of us. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. I wanted to to take the moment to do that because I feel like those things, those things become bigger than they really are. Those things get in our brain and they make us think that we're unworthy, but we are unworthy, but Jesus already knows that and loves us anyway. And I don't want us to be held back by those things. I want us to be free from those things because in this passage, Jesus took a woman who was an outcast, turned into a worshiper who became a witness to her own group of people. And Jesus stayed there two more days and their lives were changed because she was willing to be vulnerable to become a worshiper and God used her as a witness. I want to point out something that you may not have noticed because you probably we didn't read the beginning of the, the story. The beginning of the story, and it says this in the King James Version, which I like. It says, I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus didn't end up in Samaria by accident. Most Jews would have gone around because they were considered unclean. He went there on purpose because he needed to meet with a woman and change a village. You think you're here today by accident? I got news for you. God wanted to do something with you and in you and for you, and you're here for a reason. And if there's some hurt or some woundedness or some insecurity that you've been carrying around, you need to walk out of here free of that. You can walk out of here free of that because that's the kind of God we serve. That's what he wants to do in our lives. And so today, I just wanted us to experience worship because worship, by the way, the reason he used the water metaphor at the beginning about the, the, the water physical for physical thirst and the, and the living water for spiritual thirst is because he wants us to know that worship is as essential to our spiritual journey as is water to our physical body. It is not an option. It is a part of what we were made to do. We were made to be a part of God's family and to worship him and to worship together, and it's powerful. So I'm gonna ask these guys, just as we finish up, to sing one more song, and and this kind of just kind of hope cements for all of us as we sing this song together, what it means to be a true worshiper and how extremely important it is. So the band would come up, they're on their way up, I see that, good, and uh, let's just sing this together. And I'll get out of the way. You don't want to hear me sing. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great you. All the earth will shout your praise. 
Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Sing again, all the earth. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great. Shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. this morning for meeting us here for reminding us of how much it is that we need you we worship you we sing to you we give you all our praise and father we ask that as have you as you have moved this morning in our lives that as we walk out of this building that you would continue that you would walk out with us that we wouldn't leave you here, that you would walk out with us and that you would give us moments in life and opportunity to continue to experience you, to love one another, to confess to one another, and to give you our worship. We love you, Father. We thank you and we pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.